Welcome to Still Becoming, a podcast about how it's never too late to become more free, more yourself, or try something new. I'm Monica DeCristina, a wife, mother, and practicing psychotherapist. Through my own journey, starting with my struggles with anxiety years ago, that led to my professional work as a therapist now, I am fascinated with the process of how we become who we are. We will hear from people telling their stories of becoming and overcoming, as well as from experts helping us learn about our own process in the world. We are not designed to stay the same. Our stories are still being written. We are all still becoming. On this episode, I speak with Nicole Zazowski, an author, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and a speaker. With an incredibly easy warmth and authenticity, Nicole walks us through a part of her own story of grief and hope, as well as some of the best insights on forgiveness I've ever heard. You will find Nicole to be a kind and welcoming and knowledgeable voice, and she speaks with the credibility that only experience can create. Nicole describes losing multiple babies to miscarriage after moving across the country away from family and friends, and what she discovered about herself and about God in that process. Whether your story is similar or completely different, you will find hope in Nicole's story of transformation and faith. I found this conversation with Nicole to be so moving and so life-giving, and I trust you will feel the same way when you listen. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited to talk to you. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk with you. Awesome. I've been looking at your blog and reading your stuff, and oh. it's just so good, and I'm so excited. Thank so, you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, if, if you want, I'll just kind of, like, roll in, and, and, and we'll start sure. our little interview. Sure. Okay, awesome. Can you hear me okay? Is I, this... Yeah, I can really hear you great. Um, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, you know... I'm so excited that you're talking to me today, and I think there's so much what we can all learn from you. And I first um, heard about you. We've never met in person, but at a um, a therapy conference, I got to see you teach on oh, yeah. on forgiveness work, and I got to see you do live um, therapy, which is always a big undertaking. Um, yes. And and I just thought, wow, there's so much that I feel like I could learn from Nicole, and I feel like so many of us could learn. And then I started reading more just about your story and just about what you're doing and um, your upcoming book, and I'm just excited. So um, I would love if you could kind of introduce yourself and just tell us just kind of what you do professionally, who you are personally, or in the opposite order. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Um, And thank you so much for having me. It's really fun to talk with you and um, connect with other therapists. Absolutely. Um, so I am a wife to Jimmy and mom to James, who is now three. Um, and I professionally am a marriage and family therapist. And that work mostly includes my private practice in Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, and about three to four times a year, I'm also at um, the Hideaway Experience at their Georgia location, mostly. Oh, wow. Okay, Um, so close. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, close to you. Yeah. Um, In Rome. Mm -hmm. Um, Beautiful setting, and it's a four-day marriage intensive. Uh, We we typically see five couples in Georgia. Um, Amazing. And so I am one of the therapists who rotates into that. Mm -hmm. So Great. um, And then as you've mentioned, I'm also a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've 
co-authored a couple of books with my mentor, Terry Hargrave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have my first trade book coming out next January. Awesome. And and what um, what are the books that you co-authored and what is the book that you have coming out? Yeah, so I um, co-authored Families in Forgiveness, the second edition uh, with him mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And then most recently, it actually just came out. Um, it's called Restoration Therapy Techniques. So wow. it's it dovetails with his first book, Mm -hmm. um, which I wasn't a part of that one, but Mm -hmm. the outlines, the restoration therapy model, which is the model I use in my work and Mm -hmm. has informed a lot of my personal processing as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this is more, it's it's definitely for therapists, um, or, you know, people in helping professions, um, very practical, a more technique um, oriented versus, you know, there's definitely a summary of the theory, but it's very, you know, practical with case examples and mm-hmm. what do these interventions actually look like. And Great. so Great. I co-authored that with him and actually another Fuller professor of mine um, oh, great. from from years ago. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And so and the new book that you're working on, what is what is that one about? <clears throat> Yeah, so that one um, gets into my personal story a little bit and certainly weaves uh, my my therapeutic knowledge as well um, because it was a huge part of how I was processing my own story. Yes. You know, I always say it's the book I could have written for anyone else but myself. Right, right, absolutely. <laughs> um, and then about eight years ago when we moved to... Um, Connecticut from California mm-hmm. for my husband's job. Um, my life was very comfortable in California, yeah. and the move was just happened to be just the beginning of a really painful season for me. Okay, um, mostly characterized by change and loss. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost tangible things, you know, my home, my community. Um, I've lost five babies to miscarriage. Okay. Um, but mm-hmm. I also lost in in that tangible loss. I also lost all of my touch points of security. Yeah. Um, my faith had a lot of props. Um, yeah, tell tell us what you what do you mean? I mean, I think I know what you mean, but that is such an awesome um, and relatable way to put it. What mm-hmm. what what touch points um, that you feel like were holding up your faith and maybe your security? Did you did you not have anymore? Yeah, so what it was was the things that I had always used to cope with my pain yeah. of feeling insignificant and not good enough and mm-hmm. um, powerless mm-hmm. um, and maybe even rejected too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mainly relied on performance, shame, and perfectionism. Okay. And what in California and really in my life up until I moved here in Connecticut, those things had been quote unquote working for me. Um, Mm -hmm. of course they weren't really working in a, Mm -hmm. in a healthy way, Um, but I, I kind of got what I wanted by continuing to employ those things. So I was never, uh, to put it simply very motivated to let those things go. Um, or I was very afraid to let those things go for fear of who I would be without them. Absolutely. Um, 
and what happened in the move and then the subsequent events afterward Mm -hmm. was that those things just stopped working. I confronted pain and as anything we do in our pain that would fall into that coping category, Mm -hmm. they fail. Um, Yeah. And, and so that was extremely painful for me. You know, my performance did not win people over. People were not impressed by me. Um, it didn't earn me the security that I had sort of been able to earn myself in Mm -hmm. other seasons of life. Mm -hmm. And of course, when I encountered the miscarriage, you know, no amount of hard work or grit or discipline on my end uh, could fix that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I, I really was, you know, I'd always sort of, seen God's rescue mm-hmm. in my life as saving me from unwanted circumstances. Uh-huh. Uh, and now I see that sometimes as mercy looks like the failure of behaviors that were never meant to work. And wow. I didn't really know I needed rescuing from my own dreams. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> That's such a powerful statement. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and what I now recognize to be God's gracious graciousness to me he gifted me a story that I would have never had the courage to choose for myself but it's a story that ultimately led me to him yes um Mm -hmm. and led me to his truth I I've been a Christian my whole life um Mm -hmm. but I have a different understanding of who God is and Mm -hmm. I have a different relationship with him because those things have been stripped away um Mm -hmm. I was sort of given empty hands to receive something new um mm-hmm. but it took you know sort of prying my fingers off one by one of mm-hmm. each of those mm-hmm. idols and entitlements that mm-hmm. had become so important to me and so much a part of my identity wow wow and so you you, you encountered not out of choosing it a pain that was too big for those coping things to work anymore that performance, shame, and perfectionism just couldn't, they couldn't heal the miscarriage loss. And, right. And it, and it sounds like being, you know, uprooted and in a whole new place, um, you know, the performance wasn't working either. No, none of it was <laughs> in any area. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so I describe it as the most painful season of my life, but also the most hopeful because, mm-hmm. um, of what I found in the wake of, of what I lost. Yes. Wow. And, and, and do you, and, you know, in, in your own experience and your own work, do you feel like that is not always, but often when we find the most hope or the most joy is when we find ourselves um, stripped away from things that don't work and, and maybe in an unwanted pain situation that there can be that mercy come in then. I do. I think the thing about pain, the gift it has to offer us um, is A, you know, what I just described, that that Mm -hmm. coping fails um, and leaves us open to something different. Mm -hmm. But but B, we can't can't know the light unless we've known the dark. Um, Mm -hmm. And hope hope only gets deployed um, in times of pain. Like we can't know hope without the need for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think of Ecclesiastes three, where there's 
Solomon sort of sets up those first 10 verses as a kind of ledger mm-hmm. when he's talking about like, there's a time to be born and a time to die. Mm-hmm. And we can, we can look at half of that ledger as negative and sure. um, half of that ledger as kind of unwanted and, and life that we sort of just get by. Yeah. Um, and that the real life and the real joy happens on the other side of it. And what I've learned is that there's growing ground is on both sides and, and there's hope in any circumstance that ushers you into the deep love of God. Um, Mm -hmm. and at least that's true in my life, um, as a person of faith. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, I've seen tremendous joy on, on the quote unquote dark side of that ledger um, because of how it's ushered me into a deeper love than I knew was possible. Wow. So when those those things that you would you employ before are stripped away, then there's room in your hands now for, if, as you said, if you are a person of faith to experience God um, in a deeper way than you ever even thought possible. Yeah, exactly. And, and what, if you were to tell us kind of like, about performance and shame and perfectionism i know what you mean by those words but if someone doesn't know like what what does it mean to to use performance to kind of protect yourself from pain like how would we know that we're doing that sure um it can it can have many different faces Mm -hmm. um what it usually looks like for me um is even just intense anxiety before I'm going to speak or, um, before I'm going to, um, put myself in a vulnerable position. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm more interested in winning you over than I am connecting with you. Um, so I, am more interested in you being impressed by me Mm -hmm. than connected to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and the audience may or may not be able to tell, um, sure. whether that's an audience of one person or, or a group, yeah. um, but it's the reason shame and performance are so connected mm-hmm. is that usually when I'm performing, I've shamed myself with a message that says you are only as good as how you perform. Oh my God. Um, yes. your identity is only as good as your last performance. So make it a good one. Wow. Um, yes. You know, I've never heard it put that way. Um, so, so well that, um, we have to perform because we've already shamed ourselves. That yeah. right? I mean that, you know, yeah. I, I don't believe that I'm enough or worthy just as I am just it as is. I'm made. So I've got to prove that by the last one or the next performance. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and of course it doesn't lead us to a very peaceful place because sure. if we perform well, yeah. we have to stay there. Right. Um, right. And if we don't perform well, we have to work to prove and win our identity back. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and that's where the perfectionism comes in because mm-hmm. when perfectionism, um, is the way that you cope. There's sort of two options. I'm either perfect or I'm rejected. Right. Um, Black and white. There's no room to be loved and imperfect uh-huh. um, when that's your mindset. Yeah. So mm-hmm. all of my coping are very connected. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can, if I really dissect them, I can see how they play off of each other. Yeah. Um, 
in different ways. Absolutely. And we all have those, right? I have, oh, yes. I have mine as, as well. I'm, I'm a big um, performer and shamer as well. Um, and okay. so I can really relate to that. Those are some of my favorite coping methods. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I, I'm interested too with now that now that you've gone through this season and this and incredible insights that you've had and um, you've been able to kind of put down these coping mechanisms. I mean, and we all pick them back up, you know, all the time. Yes. Um, yeah. But but sort of coming into this place where you have experienced this unwanted pain and experienced so much hope. Um, how do you think that's helped you to understand the pain of other people in your life and maybe in a way that that wasn't even possible before. Yeah, I think I think restoration therapy in general, this mm-hmm. whole idea of that we all have these feelings or wounds mm-hmm. um, that are pretty consistently felt every time we experience pain. Yeah, can you and tell that, us about that? What what are those um, those things that we typically feel when we when we are in pain? I mean, I know everyone has a different wording for them, but sure. Yeah, so there's there's two broad categories. One is um, if you experienced a violation of love growing up, um, you probably received a painful or confusing message about your identity, mm-hmm. who you are. Yeah. Um, and so those feelings are typically feelings like unworthy or not good enough, inadequate, worthless, mm-hmm. you know, things that have to do with my personhood and who I am. Um, some people's story was more, um, came with some violations of safety, um, or violations of trust that let us know whether or not we were safe. Um, and so those feelings would look like, you know, powerless or unsafe or helpless, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, we just learned that our environment or the people in our environment couldn't be trusted. Mm-hmm. And so depending on your story, um, you received messages about your identity and sense of safety um, that form the, the kind of pain you feel when you're in a painful situation now. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And then in turn, we all develop ways that are totally understandable, yeah. but not very helpful as adults. Right. They might they may have been needed earlier, mm-hmm. um, but of protecting ourselves from that pain mm-hmm. or surviving that pain. Mm-hmm. And there's four broad categories of ways that we cope as human beings, um, and there's specifics in each of these buckets. But the four broad categories are blame, you know, getting really angry, mm-hmm. um, raging, mm-hmm. shame, beating ourselves up, giving ourselves uh, hurtful messages. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, control, um, and that's a tough one because our culture really celebrates that one. It really does. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so performance, yeah, perfectionism would fall under that. Yeah. Um, and then escape, which has lots of different faces, but essentially anything that allows us to check out. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are more culturally acceptable yes. than others. Sure. Um, but still serve the same emotional purpose of not feeling or not dealing with whatever it is that I'm feeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so mm-hmm. that's become the lens that I look at people's stories. So when, when a client or a friend is sharing their story, I don't, I don't do therapy with my friends. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I hear a story, yeah. um, 
that's the lens that I'm hearing it through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works because that's how I process my own story. So when mm-hmm. I was writing my book, it was mm-hmm. Im- almost impossible to separate um, my own story from, in my own processing, from this idea Absolutely. of that restoration therapy outlines. Mm-hmm. And 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 since you you know with the book, can you tell us a little bit more about what is going to be in it? What do we have to look forward to? Um, you know, you've sort of touched a little bit on your story. Is that what you're going? What the book will kind of highlight and and walk people through? Yes. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it's, it's what I shared when I was talking about my own story, that yes. whole idea that, um, you know, God's rescue of me, I never imagined that it would look like yeah. trying my fingers off those things. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's the failure of those behaviors that were never meant to work. And yes. um, that his graciousness to us is bringing us into his deeper love. Um, and my discovery of that. And it mm-hmm. also invites the reader and prompts the reader along the way to process their own story in that very same way. Oh, wow. Um, That's so cool. I love that. Thank you. I'm yeah. excited. Um, I'm really excited about it. I actually just, I turn in my first round of edits tomorrow. So this oh, is gosh. fresh, fresh <laughs> yeah. in my mind. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. That's but, awesome. Yeah, it, I, I'm excited because your the details of your story might be very different than sure. mine. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Maybe your loss um, didn't look like miscarriage, or maybe sure. it hasn't been a story of loss, but mm-hmm. a story of change. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, but whatever your story is, my hope is that you'll be able to find yourself mm-hmm. in these themes and mm-hmm. see how God is working through your story to bring you closer to him and his truth. Um I love that. I love that. That's so cool. And I, I think, I think that we learn so much through stories and we learn so much through people's vulnerability when they, when they share it through their stories. But I've never heard of sort of pairing that with an active um, walking through. I'm so excited. I'm excited for myself and for everybody. Um, oh, thank you to, so much. Yeah, to be able to, to, you know, to experience your story as they read it, but then to be able to engage with their own. Because like you said, you know, we all we all have pain. We all cope probably in um, a, a few ways that overlap with each other. But all of our, you know, histories of what is coming in our life are, are just so different. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, speaking of sort of the, the loss and, and the pain that you found yourself in with miscarriages in particular, I think that this um, grief is something that, that that just isn't talked about enough and is that we often don't know what to do when someone in our life is is struggling with this. And <laughs> And I'm wondering for you, you know, as you have had this unwanted grief um, and these experiences of miscarriage, what have you learned about, um, and of course, we're all very different, um, but what have you learned about um, pain in community and in people that um, coming alongside you that, that could help all of us love people in our lives that are dealing with this kind of pain in particular and, um, and then pain in general? Yeah, I think... Um... It is, it does seem to be 
a situation or circumstance that I think we're hesitant as friends to step into because we don't want to make it worse. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we don't want to say the wrong thing. And there's certainly other situations like that. Um, My, my general uh, wisdom on that or, Uh or rule of thumb is, um, just say something, even if, even if it's, I don't know what to say. Um, I've had people reach out to me and say that. And Mm -hmm. for me, that's really healing because I know they, they were trying to connect and and they're also acknowledging, I know that there's nothing I'm going to say that fixes this, Right. but I want you to know that I'm here. I wish I could take it away. Um, and if I can't take it away, I'm going to sit in the mud with you. Yeah. And so you're, you're not alone in it. Yeah. Um, mm, love that. I think yeah. the other thing that, that has been really helpful to me on the receiving end, mm-hmm. um, is just instead of asking, you know, is there anything I can do? Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> That's a hard one, right? I mean, cause when you're, well, the... <laughs> it, yeah, cause it, it, it it's tough because you sometimes there is and if it's a certain kind of friend I know I can ask and right. sometimes even if there's an offer it's hard to take someone up on that oh yeah there's um, so many so many roadblocks to that even though it's well-intentioned sure. um, it, there's just roadblocks yeah but yeah go ahead. um but and honestly I appreciate anything that's said so I course. never want to make somebody feel like they have to say the perfect thing but right something that's been really helpful for me is when people say I want to do something yes what would tell me what would be most meaningful to you oh I like, love that so yep. they've already signed up yep <laughs> right right <laughs> um, absolutely they, just need, they need help from me knowing what would be most meaningful yeah um and, and that's such a yeah. different angle, though, you know, because mm-hmm. one is saying, I am going to help you. <laughs> Tell me how that would be best helpful, right? Versus the yes. other one that let me know. Um, it's just it's a really subtle shift that I think that if we all could remember that, um, it makes so much sense why that would um, be easier to kind of step into as the one who yes. is needing help. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, you know, with this, one thing that I feel like we really isn't talked about very much either is that as a mom because I know you have a son um and you know as you're struggling and parenting um that's that's a that you know parenting never stops and that's that's the thing that continues to surprise me as a parent is that it's just you know life goes on and, and there's hard days and good days but we still have to show up for these little people in the best way we can um and what what are your thoughts about um parenting and being a mom um when you're in a time of struggle you know and 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 what did you pull on to kind of help you to pull on your relationship with God or what did you pull on with that yeah that's such a great question um it's been it's been tough December through February of this year especially I mean I've hit other seasons like that but Mm -hmm. um it's fresh in my mind because my son was old enough at that point to process um a bit more of what was going on okay and there have been days in that season where we go over to a friend's house Mm -hmm. and you know these are very dear friends um and he would say to my friend, his friend's mom, you know, my mom is feeling really sad today. Oh, um, yeah. And just hearing that would break my heart. And I'd 
I have to remember the, the, what the research says, that the most powerful thing for kids is not that they see their parents okay all the time right. or without feelings, right. but actually that they see their parents self-regulate that feeling. Yes. Um, and that I can be sad and have feelings and I can be okay at yes. the same time. I love so that. I usually, in three-year-old terms, um, mm-hmm. I usually say, you know, mommy is sad, but I'm also okay. Yeah. Um, and, and the adult version would be, we can be in pain and at peace at the same time. Oh, my gosh, um, yes. That, that peace is not an absence of feeling, but that we're hanging on to truth in the midst of it, mm-hmm. um, even while the feelings are very real. Oh, yes, <laughs> um, Absolutely that I can have these strong feelings but also carry a hope and a joy and a peace that, um, you know, what is dark today is not going to be dark forever. That's right. Um, that's right. And so that's that's what I cling to on mm-hmm. those days where yes. I know he yeah. sees some tears from me. Or, mm-hmm. um, and also just appreciating what I have gained from the pain mm-hmm. um, I'm not a silver linings person or feel like we need to you know look for the silver lining or the bright side right um, but I do think pain has offered me a lot and given me a lot of gifts and one of them is I don't see him the same way um, wow. I don't see my son the same way mm-hmm. uh, I think had I not gone, gone through everything I've gone through admittedly I sort of would have seen having a baby as a next step or something I get to do because I would be a good mom you know I sort of felt entitled Mm -hmm. to it sure um and now I just see him as purely grace um that everything good in this life is grace um it's not because I've earned it it's not because I've been good enough Mm -hmm. um that he is a gift and a grace wow it's so powerful. I could listen to you talk about this all day. Um, it's so, it's just so good. It's so good. And, you know, this sounds like with that feeling of grace, that it's all grace, it's all gift, that there's probably so much more freedom there, too, um, that that we can't perform if it's grace, right? We can't, exactly. We can't perfect if it's grace. It's just, you know, it, there's there's almost a... Um, a surrender in that place too. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yes. Um, well, you know, I, I would I would love to hear just a little bit too about. Um, I know that you've written a lot about forgiveness, and mm-hmm. you know, just as we sort of start to wrap up, I would love just to ask you. I mean, forgiveness is obviously there's a whole book about it, like it's a big deal. Um, yeah. But but I would love to you know to hear. Um, that so often we just don't even know what to do about forgiveness, right? That it's just overwhelming. People don't know what it means. They, they often think they're going to have to go knock on the door of someone who hurt them if, if they're going to right. forgive them, right? Um, right. And I'm just curious for you, you know, what, what misconceptions do you run into forgiveness and what is more of, of the truth? And again, a huge question, um, but what are some of the misconceptions versus what is more of the reality for all of us um, about forgiveness. Yeah, and I can't take credit for these ideas. These mm-hmm. are these are all um, Terry Hargraves, and I've I've just done a lot of research on it. But 
Um, I think some of the biggest that I confront, even mm-hmm. in my own practice, is that, um, and unfortunately, the I feel like these are particularly strong in the faith community. Yeah, um, absolutely. A common one is that forgiveness is letting go. Mm-hmm. Um, and those two things are not the same. Um, mm-hmm. Forgiveness, uh, which brings me to the next misconception, um, people think that forgiveness looks the same in every situation. Wow. Um, and it just does not. There are certain elements of forgiveness um, in the book, we talk about four different stations, and you heard me articulate those when you heard me speak. But um, some of those stations are appropriate for certain situations, and some are not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think, especially, I mean, I, I'm in the faith community around this conversation the most, um, but I think we can easily say, well, you've forgiven more if you've done all of those stations. Um, Mm -hmm. And really what I think we're talking about is reconciliation. And that's my next uh, misconception is that forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. Uh, That's that's just really good news, I think, for so many of us that have someone to forgive, but the person isn't safe to reconcile with. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. And I think people, like you were saying, feel like they need to white-knuckle yeah. that experience and put themselves oh, yeah. in a vulnerable situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the basis for a lot of ideas in the book is a man named Tillich's model. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a triangle with love, justice, and power on each of the three points. Wow. Um, and... I think one of the, I think the thing we struggle with the most or that I see most often is people thinking that forgiveness is love pursued in isolation without um, justice that Mm. demands a sense of fairness Mm -hmm. uh, or power to set boundaries from things that are unhealthy. Wow. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. love by itself doesn't seem like it would be a bad idea. Right, (laughs) Um, right. But in a forgiveness situation, it can set the victim up to just be victimized over and over and over again. Absolutely. With with no expectation of change. Yes. And we would say that forgiveness with integrity always demands some kind of change. Wow. Um, That even if you are reconciling the relationship it is not going back to the original form it is that relationship is changing in a new and better way moving into the future um so even if you're able to reconcile Mm -hmm. um so you know i i often use the analogy of like if a house if your house burns down most likely you're not going to rebuild that house exactly the way it was before you're going to say you know what the kitchen would really be better over there or you're you're gonna you're gonna make it work better for your life and you're gonna make the necessary changes that you need to move forward and even reconciliation is the same way i love that i love that wow that's so powerful and so freeing 
Um, and I think people stay bound up often in unforgiveness mm-hmm. because of just misconceptions, right? Yes. And and that, you know, that we can have healthy boundaries. There can be justice and we can forgive. Yeah. And one thing I would say, you spoke to this a little bit, but mm-hmm. if you're a person who has been hesitant to go to therapy because of what the therapist is going right. to fuck you do. Exactly. Um, uh-huh. Forgiveness is a client-guided process, yes. first and foremost. Our role as therapists is certainly um, first and foremost to protect the client. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, there might be a role that we play that you know opens up possibility or challenges toward that possibility, but there is never going to be any forced action on that possibility if it's not an interest of the client. Absolutely. Uh, Love so that. this is a safe topic to explore in therapy. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. That 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 you won't be re-traumatized by having to exactly. look at the forgiveness. That you're in the driver's seat as the client, as the person exploring what forgiveness might look like for you. Exactly. Yes, I love that. Well, one um, question that I'm asking everyone is just what is um, an unexpected person or event or thing that. Um, played a part in you becoming who you are today, becoming the Nicole that we get to talk to today. Um, and this could be funny, this could be um, deep, but what's, what is something that has been a, an important part of your process? And I know there's many things, but what's one thing that's been an important part of your process of becoming who you are today? Yeah, so I instantly thought of two. Okay, well, um, great. Let's do two. Can I pick two? <laughs> yes, please. Because um, these two just sprung to my mind. Yeah. Um, one is not surprising at all. Um, but I, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, Terry Hargrave has had mm-hmm. such a profound impact on not only my professional work, but my personal life. I am not the same therapist. I am not the same person. Um, so your mentor, is that... He's my mentor, yep, Mm -hmm. and he not only came up with this model that's changed my life, restoration therapy, but um, his influence in love and care in my life, um, I could cry talking about it, Um, and and his wife Sharon, Mm -hmm. really, um, Mm -hmm. they have both just shaped me so profoundly. Wow. Wow. I am not the same person because of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then my surprising one mm-hmm. is on the on the deeper end mm-hmm. um, is my five unborn babes. Um, yeah. Yeah. My my story. Mm-hmm. E- each one, as much as I wish I could have met them yeah. on Earth and look forward to meeting them on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um. They have changed who I am mm-hmm. as a mom, um, who I am in in terms of my understanding of God and, mm-hmm. and the relationship that I have with God. Mm-hmm. Um, they've changed my marriage. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it was great before, but it's different and mm-hmm. deeper and sweeter now. Um, yes. So... If I had to go through that, and again, I'm not sure I would have had the courage to choose it. Absolutely. Um, but God was so gracious to me in, in allowing me to take so much from those experiences. Um, oh, 
so yeah. has left me changed. So yeah. I'm grateful. Yes. Wow. You give us so much hope. I know all of us, whether we are, <laughs> you know, in pain right now or we know someone who is that <clears throat> just gives us, it, you've got me choked up so much pain, so much <laughs> hope that, um, that when we're in pain that we, you know, we won't be left that way. Um, and that we could have hope as well. Um, and that we could, um, one day say like you're saying, this is something that's really changed me. I would have never chosen it, but I, yeah. I met God through it. I found hope mm-hmm. through it. I had things that didn't work for me anymore, just taken from my hands. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank it you. Is- Thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm just so moved and I'm so grateful for your voice and, and, and I'm so excited for what you're working on and for, you know, um, how many people will be impacted like I am right now in this, you know, in this 40 You're minutes so truly moved. So thank you so thank much. You. I really appreciate it. For more information on this interview, including a transcript, please go to stillbecoming.net. Please subscribe to and review Still Becoming wherever you listen to podcasts if you like what you heard here today. Thank you for listening.